coming at you from Handsome Headquarters here in sunny Los Angeles, California. I'm Lee Sanger Golden, and this is the 60th anniversary of the assassination of President John Fitzgerald Kennedy. To commemorate and explore this event as it stands 60 years later is my friend and comic writer, and I'd like to say conspiracy expert, John Darden. How you doing, sir? Hey, Lee, thank you for having me back. I'm really happy to be here. Absolutely. I really enjoy our discussions that we've had over the years. I think we've done like, this will be our third pod that we've done on the Kennedy assassination. And I feel like when we first started, like the first time we started, there was sort of this position of like, you were the conspiracy guy and I was the non-conspiracy guy, I guess. I think we both like went into it with that assumption, maybe. Although I've never been fully able to give myself into the dark side of the conspiracy debunking side of things. But I feel like the second time we potted, I moved a little bit more towards conspiracy. And I just got to say, I think after watching this last version of the, uh, the, the four part version of the JFK destiny betrayed by Oliver Stone, I think I'm back, baby. I think I'm back on the conspiracy side. I don't know if Ollie Stone is just uh, is just blowing my mind uh, like he did when I was 14 or 15 years old once again, and I'll be fooled. But I don't know, man. I'm kind of back. What are your thoughts 60 years on? It is great to hear that. <laughs> that well, look, let me say that uh, my impression going into it was not that you were like a hardcore anti or debunker or yeah. more commission enthusiast i just thought that you had a little more nuanced take but i could tell that you had done a lot of research and so i was really interested because we we had met doing sort of comedy in college uh different colleges meeting and doing improv comedy and just to see someone else who i knew who had such a similarity to me in uh this like overwhelming fascination and interest with the jfk mm-hmm. assassination i was like oh i gotta talk to lee and and figure out what's up I'm so happy to hear that you are moving towards where I am. But I mean, look, (laughs) that's the funny thing about this stuff. Everybody thinks that, A, you're trying to convert them, like you're proselytizing a religion. Doesn't work. It's like telling someone to quit smoking cigarettes. They'll do it on their own time. The, The biggest conspiracies that I kind of came to be interested in or or almost swung by or won over by, yeah, many years. I didn't fully believe because I'm not someone who's going to believe something the second I hear it. It took me, yeah, like other points of light to corroborate initial information. So in my opinion, I just think that you're being exposed to more points of evidence that lead towards uh, JFK's 1963 presidential assassination not being executed by a solo lone nut named Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah, I think what we're seeing now is the third wave of Kennedy documents finally being metastasized um, and finally being kind of absorbed and start. We're finally seeing the documents be examined by enough smart people that we're starting to see a larger mosaic that we didn't see in 1991 when the doc or the 92 or three, when like the documents first came out and it was like, see, there's no smoking gun, but we had to kind of spend the time 20, 30 years, really. The experts spent the time with this people like Jim Diaginio, who wrote the, you know, the JFK Ollie stone documentary. 
So it's only now that we're really seeing the full picture. So the I call it the third wave because the first wave of like information and conspiracy theory thinking that came after it was like the Warren Commission report. That comes out, people kind of accept it or don't. The news media gets 100% behind it because as we know, they're probably CIA assets, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> and then we get our first wave of you know, conspiratorial thinking, you get, you know, rush to judgment and, and those early starts, early types of books. And then the second wave of conspiracy theory and information came out of all the HSCA stuff. And I think that's the stuff that we grew up on, right? Was the stuff that, that started going around in the eighties and nineties that eventually built up to 1991. And that argument convinced me and then as the the 2000s went along it, it all of the arguments in that second wave of conspiracy thinking i started out going wow there's a hundred reasons why i think it's a conspiracy and then it started dwindling down to you know just a couple of reasons and then eventually there was there was none and i had to kind of convince myself no it was a conspiracy i had to start making excuses i started making more excuses for why there was a conspiracy or why information had been debunked rather than proving points that pointed to a conspiracy. But now we're seeing this third wave of documents that came out of the ARP. It's almost like each wave of thinking is one like tranche of documents behind. So now 20, 30 years later, someone like Oliver Stone can like put it all together, all the work that all those researchers he uh, talked to, put it all together and it starts to become sort of undeniable that there was at least a government hand somewhere in the mix, whether it was calling him up and being like, you know, kill Kennedy, or if he was being bounced back between various different handlers and somehow got manipulated into it or or whatever. But it's becoming impossible to deny that there was like some sort of government shit going on around this assassination that this guy just didn't come out of nowhere going well who could have seen this coming right and all this stuff about like being taken off the threat list and stuff i mean it's it's crazy so now i'm starting to have to come up with more excuses to convince myself that the government theory is true so okay. that's just the barometer i'm going on by right now is who am i having to give more excuses to more mulligans to to prove their point and right now that's the official story like, it seems like the facts and the narrative really are on the conspiracy side right now. And it's interesting. I would say it's exciting to see more people like yourself and more um, mainstream journalists actually draw attention to this. You know, we're uh, in some ways talking about the Oliver Stone uh, four-part documentary, but also I just saw Rob Reiner and Soldat O'Brien have a podcast about the conspiracy element of the JFK assassination. Yeah, I saw an article about that too. And it's Pretty it's surprising. first like episode or two, and it's definitely, you know, it's Soledad as an independent interviewing Rob as a, um, you know, not Oswald, someone else government likely uh, did it uh, theory. I'll just add, you know, to, to sort of get in, I feel like if someone's listening and, you know, maybe we get, throw them some red meat here. Okay. So as an example, okay. We talked about this guy last time, this guy, uh, William Harvey. Okay. He is a guy. Bill Harvey. Love him. <laughs> Legend of cold war skull fuckery. 
this guy's great character he carries a gun, sort of an alcoholic brush, uh, a, a gruff, a mustached spy who doesn't look like James Bond, but is associated as America's type of a James Bond. Exactly. And physically meets Kennedy in the Oval Office. Um, and he is one of the people that on his deathbed, CIA's E. Howard Hunt, who is one of the Watergate break-in guys, says um, uh, was involved in the assassination. And the reason I bring that up is as an example is you have these stacking points of light where mm-hmm. E. Howard Hunt says on his deathbed, Harvey was in on it. Then one of Harvey's like lieutenants in Rome where he was stationed says that Harvey went to Dallas two weeks before the assassination. Hmm. Suddenly, it's again, I'm, I'm just going to have one more on that. E. Howard Hunt says David Atlee Phillips is in this chain of command on the CIA's assassination of Kennedy. David Atlee Phillips confessed to his brother that he was in Dallas that day. You, Damn. You, you get these multiple points of evidence. And this is this is David Atlee Phillips is also the guy who famously Alpha 66's Antonio Vesiana, who was shot in the face when he started trying to go public about his associations with Kennedy mm. assassination members. Um, you know, Vesiana said Oswald's handler was a guy named Maurice Bishop. And before Vesiana died, he confirmed that Maurice Bishop was the code name for David Atlee Phillips. Yeah. That name's been bouncing around for years. And so you you start to hear those stories come full circle. Like I remember hearing about Maurice Bishop in Men Who Killed Kennedy and be like, God, that's so mysterious. And then being like, eh, it's probably nobody. And then somebody says, yeah, that's Phillips. And it's like, ah, oh, that that maps, that tracks, that actually, that's a good conspiracy theory. And you I know what I'm saying? Here. And a conspiracy theory is just a theory, a thing that makes sense that you can maybe try to prove. Here's a theory that you, um, last time I mentioned this uh, gentleman, uh, you got, you know, you, uh, record <laughs> okay let's um, see no files yeah. you're going uh, back to files aren't you i am i am okay. because because in this it just and this is not again i'm only giving i'm giving evidence that i've collected in my little baby head uh, you know use it as you may but this guy files who claims to have been a mafia guy who also did black bag covert assassinations for like the cia government okay he nice. says he was involved in the hit, and he says his handler at the CIA was David Atlee Phillips, the CIA uh, officer in charge of the Western Hemisphere, who at the time was stationed or was kind of running Mexico City, where all mm. the Oswald shenanigans happened in uh, the fall. Yeah, context for Mexico City, that's like the one town in the hemisphere that has like embassies for all of the major parties in the cold war so it becomes like this nest of spies very interesting place 1960s mexico and there's this whole question of was oswald there or not and a lot of people point to that as the like oh see look there's this cover-up of a conspiracy it was oswald and he was in mexico or he wasn't in mexico or he met with the russian guy but you brought up a good fact or a good point at least on the last episode which is like no that's actually the cutout that's the second cover story that there's sort of three layers there's what actually happened there's the fake conspiracy and then there's the real conspiracy it's a big this is actually and i remember talking about that and i i think this helps people understand the cia's charter said 
that when they do operations, they have to be deniable, meaning mm-hmm. they have to use assets that are cutouts that in theory don't uh, trace back to the CIA, which is why everyone's like, who did it? The mafia, the anti-Castro Cubans. Here it the, comes, folks. The CIA. It's like, well. Here it comes, folks. Whoever told Dulles and Angleton to get their guys on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, and, and we can speculate on who did, who told that, you know, who, whatever, who, who's above the joint chiefs. General Y. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but you know, that, that comes down. And so then it gets handed off to, let's say, theoretically, maybe, uh, I, I hypothesize, right. Maybe it gets handed down to Cordmeyer Jr. Controlling the Mockingbird assets and all of the media mm-hmm. as shown by Bernstein in the seventies in the Rolling Stone article. And then it gets handed down to Lansdale to come if up. There's with one a- thing I can do in my life. Sorry to interrupt is to <laughs> no, make sure okay. everyone I know knows about what you were just talking about. Can you just go into a little more detail about Mocking Jay? Oh yeah, Mocking Bird or Mocking Mockingbird. That's the Hunger Games, uh, the Mocking <laughs> Yeah, go to Mocking Bird. Just okay. for a little context cuz that's very important. So in and I I'd, I'd have to look up the exact date whether it's like 77 or something or or some but in mid mid 70s Carl Bernstein writes an article for Rolling Stone essentially um revealing that the CIA has a media, a, an American domestic media control apparatus in which they are paying and have newspaper reporters, television reporters, magazine, you know, writers um, on their payroll. Mm-hmm. And in the Rolling Stone article, Carl Bernstein, uh, who again, Woodward and Bernstein had this sterling reputation uh, uh, from Watergate, uh, he literally lists off. CBS, New York, New York Times, well, you know, Washington. It's like every major and, and there's whoever his sources were. I mean, they're almost bragging. They <laughs> they say stuff like we what? own. They say like we own everyone of influence or but whatever it is. I'm paraphrasing. Right. But it's impossible to understand if you live in this country and someone say in this world, it is impossible to understand everything you've learned, your entire perspective. Pers- your entire perspective on life, history, and the universe. It is impossible for you to understand the context of that without knowing what you just said, John, which is that as long as like our parents have basically been alive, (laughs) every bit of major news has gone through a filter of the intelligence community, specifically the CIA who at that time was conducting covert warfare in cooperation with the military. And you can't understand the American experience without understanding that everyone knows the Kennedy assassination. Everybody knows Watergate, but that's the real key. And it relates to both of them really. Right. And take, take conspiracy out of context, visualize the end of uh, 2002, the beginning of 2003, the entire corporate American media apparatus leading us into the war in Iraq into uh, getting us to a place where we felt like it was justified. That experience was an example of the, the control, the leaking uh, to the New York times about like uranium rods. That wasn't true. All the shit that that's an example of the control. And I'll add, I wish I could remember who I saw. Uh, This was like a, a former intelligence person who was explaining how this works. 
they, what they say is this, we'll have a focal point person at this office. And this is exactly what Fletcher Prouty said, who is Mr. X, you know, the Mr. X character in JFK is based off right. Fletcher Prouty and also, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the man who knew too much. Um, yeah, but, but Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart. No, no. Uh, the the Peter Lorre. You know what? It's it's terrible when the details don't come to your head when you need them. Roger please, Craig, get me back on track, please. I've lost. Roger Craig. No, the guy. um, no, the other gentleman, the guy who walked into the bank in in uh, Texas and fired a gun so he'd get arrested in September because he didn't want to be a part of the assassination. Oh, yeah, you know I can't remember that guy's name. Um. Yeah, it'll it'll come to us, but um is that verified? Like, do we have are there arrest records? Like, what do we have on that? Okay, can you vamp on something else while I figure yes. that out? All right, figure Just that give me, out. Give me 30 seconds. Okay, you got it. You're listening to Lee Golden interviewing John Darden <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> right now he's Googling to find something. While you do that, I'm gonna rifle through this book. And so we'll Wait. just have you typing me. No, I, I just wanted to pull this this book out to see if there was a, a picture of Bill Harvey. But anyway, everybody Google Bill Harvey. OK, right. OK, OK. So got it. Richard Case Nagel, Richard Case Nagel. It is right. it hurts my little bitty JFK heart that I couldn't just that it wasn't. there. <laughs> We're getting me. old now. Here I he know. is. There's our guy. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, viewers were looking at a picture here of, a, <laughs> of an old fat man named Bill Harvey he used to kill people for the government. Yeah. So, um, you know, maybe just by giving you a quick insight on Richard Case Nagel, um, yeah. it'll, it maybe will jog my memory to get me back on track. But essentially, this is the this is an example of of how the conspiracy. We don't get to see the whole conspiracy. We get these little bitty glimpses. Yeah. Then we have to extrapolate from it. Okay. He apps, he is very well documented as being a counterintelligence American asset who is a double agent who is being turned by the Russians. And the Russians were trying to get him allegedly to take out Oswald because they had stumbled over the Kennedy assassination plot in September of 63. And, and he walked into a bank and fired a weapon so he would be federally arrested and okay. it, it, to take him out of the picture because he didn't oh, is that a federal crime to use firearms inside of financial institutions something like that yeah i think that was his intention interesting okay um and so he's a very interesting guy because then he can also be pardoned by the president too well, it's a federal let's, crime let's back up where was richard case nagel stationed in japan at the same base Absolutely. where Oswald was, and he's got Oswald he's was, and he Donald P. Belisario. Let's not forget the showrunner and creator of Quantum Leap <laughs> was also there. They they were both there, and just like Thomas Valet, Thomas Arthur Valet. Yeah, he, he was like the right wing version of Lee Harvey Oswald that was set up in Chicago. And uh, he was found with a bunch of guns or ammo or something. And he had a job in like a warehouse on the parade route. And also they brought in some other guys that were, I think Cubans or something. There were potential gunmen there. And Absolutely. then Bolden got in, Abraham Bolden got in the mix there too. Like I think years later, either Bolden tried to tip them off. Something was going on or Bolden talked about it later. The and story. then they, 
they threw him in the jail in jail on trumped up charges and only this year or last or this year i think he was finally pardoned by the biden administration yeah it was in it was before kennedy was killed yeah in november he was going to chicago he canceled his trip because That's right. they said he was they, sick or some bullshit but they knew and well they said it was because the uh, assassination of dm had just happened oh and, right um, what which had been done against kennedy's wishes by the cia but um <laughs> nuts yeah, so this this guy was uh oh fair play for Cuba committee member, as was um as as was the guy Richard Case Nagel had like fair play for Cuba stuff in his note. Like you see these three guys <laughs> who were all involved in different assassination uh uh plans in different cities. It sh- certainly makes you think that the assassination was a highly planned intelligence operation that had multiple contingencies in multiple cities and they had a template yes this to me is the most interesting bit of uh of evidence uh that i use when i'm trying to talk somebody into a conspiracy not talk them into it but if people ask like you know was there a conspiracy like my dad the other day was asking like was there other plots and i was like yeah yeah, there was. And they might have been the same plot. You know, I, that to me is this the startling thing is when you point out Miami and Chicago and you talk about Th- Thomas Arthur Valley and you talk about what um, Joseph Miltier said to Somerset, which is, yeah, we'll get we'll get a guy in a high power, we'll get a high powered rifle. We'll pick up somebody within an hour, you know, to throw the public off. He lays it all out earlier that year. Then this we see a, the template. A- go awry in Chicago, and then it works in Dallas. And he's a highly connected uh, right-wing white supremacist who is giving this information unwittingly to an FBI informant who's recording the conversation. That's right, David Somerset. Yeah, and and there's also a photograph at the turn of Elm. um, Yeah, there's a guy. (laughs) There's a guy that looks like him. Who looks like him. And he also I, looks like everybody's grandpa that has they've said is the Zodiac killer. So, you know, I, you know, and I've brought but this. You never up. know. Bill Tier might have been there. The the Rip Robertson thing of it all. I've brought up a lot to people um, like Dude, we should do a Where's Waldo of <laughs> Delia Plaza. Just like commission. And I can't really draw. Can you draw? We know people who draw. There's there's a clear picture of this guy, Rip Robertson, who was a CIA guy who was going out of the JM Wave station in Miami, where a lot of the guys who E. Howard Hunt said were involved in the assassination. We're talking David Sanchez Morales and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of these guys, because the Miami station is what was doing anti-Cuban operations. And so mm-hmm. it was this whole anti-Cuban CIA uh, group that diluted themselves that Kennedy was the one who blew the Bay of Pigs. And they diluted all of the anti-Castro Cubans, despite the fact that, you know, the Bay of Pigs operation, the whole idea was that it was a non-deniable operation that was not supposed to be have U.S. fingerprints on it. So Kennedy was like, I'm not going to send in the U.S. military on your non-deniable covert operation. And then in Dulles's personal, uh, so Dulles had somebody come and talk to him because Dulles wanted to have some personal representation of his history in that personal recollection he essentially says he he was trying to goad kennedy into launching war with cuba because yeah. he i mean it's pretty clear in retrospect that that's what yeah. they were trying to do they they would be able to cover their ass too like that's the thing is they were it wasn't just kennedy like they were trying to cover their own ass 
and they were kind of kind of trying to use Kennedy to do that. It's like, well, we didn't do a deniable operation, but you know, he or an, an undeniable operation. But you know, Kennedy at the end of the day, he sent in the troops, so it's his fault for breaking the CIA rules of engagement, not us. You know what they they never expected. Uh, and I'm saying they, you know, I mean the Alan Dulles, the yeah. the, um, the CIA guys who are running. This is Bissell and and the other guys who are fired with Dulles, right. and uh, and the Joint Chiefs. Right. What they never expected was Kennedy going on television the next day and going, eh. "It was me. I did it." Yeah. Victory has a thousand fathers, and uh, what <laughs> defeats yeah. an orphan or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a hundred percent right. You know, like they yeah. didn't expect him to then to be a fucking leader. Well, and then launch a hyper-specific investigation about what happened, which concluded with the firing of the top three people at the CIA. And, and drafting up some serious national security action memorandums. And, some and, serious NSAMs, baby. <laughs> and and look, I know all this shit's so like blase. They were like they were like a, a gangbanger at a strip club with those uh with those security action memorandums after that. Well, that's all like super nerd stuff because it's like Kennedy yeah. goes out in these memorandums and he says, I'm taking covert operations out of the CIA and into the National Security Council where the president, the vice president, the secretary of state More control and oversight. Yeah. They, so that was a huge thing. And like shattered the CIA into a thousand pieces. I mean, these points of light where you have what Truman saying in an op-ed a month after the assassination, the CIA was not made for cloak and daggers like. It's casting this yeah. this shadow. Um, you have he was uh, right. This Kennedy anonymous, was was right. That's the thing. Anonymous quote from Kennedy officials in mainstream national papers a week before the assass within a week before the assassination, saying that if there is a coup in the United States, it will come from the CIA. Right. Kennedy was right to do that, and it was heroic for him to do that. And if this narrative is true. It killed him for it. Can I ask you a question? And that points. Sure, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. I was just going to say yeah. it points and they point this out pretty good when you watch the footage of JFK delivering foreign policy addresses. And there's a lot of that good stuff inside the, the four part version of Stone's documentary. Not only do we not have um, leaders who are able to provide foreign policy perspectives and worldviews that are aspirational and hopeful for all human beings, not just certain groups of people. It makes me realize how dangerous the 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 relic uh, <clears throat> sorry, it makes me realize how dangerous the foreign policy rhetoric of pretty much every president since Kennedy. Like our rhetoric, the executive branch's rhetoric about the world, is basically a rhetoric of violence. It's this, it's this implied threat that if you fuck with our allies, we will beat your ass. And it doesn't matter if it's the Republicans or the Democrats or whatever. Both of them, despite the nuances, let's say, between uh, Trump's State Department and Biden's, essentially both of them are American presidents who are like, we are ready to go to war at any fucking moment. Do not fuck with us. And you compare that to what Kennedy was saying, which is like, everyone deserves to breathe and live, even if you're a fucking communist, you realize how amazing and brave that was and how dangerous our leaders are now and how we are in a wasteland of leadership, if you ask me. 
let me okay yeah and this is this is a good this is this is a good like larger point for anyone who's trying to get their head around like because i i start throwing all these details in the weeds and stuff right but yeah here's a question that that makes sense to everyone what is a context in which the military and the intelligence community would kill a president would kill their president they thought he was a traitor. They thought he presented a clear and present danger to the United States. And so the question, and uh, it's not an unanswerable question, but the question is, what were they afraid of? And I will postulate a couple possible things, okay? Okay. One, the most prominent thing that people know about is the idea that JFK was withdrawing uh, advisors from Vietnam. And he- yeah. He put more in than anybody else, I think, but he was trying to take them pretty much all out. It seems like I I will say this. If you he go his toe in and realize it was a mistake, I think if you if you look at the Kennedy uh, or the new Oliver Stone, either to our doc or the the larger uh, doc, it is completely proven that Kennedy was getting out of Vietnam. And I think that, yeah. you know, anyone who says to the contrary has not done, in my opinion, their research. Um, Even the mainstream press pieces that you see about it, there was a there was a fairly mainstream article that came out this week that was basically saying, like, what would have happened if JFK had lived? And there's some interesting stuff about civil rights. And um, but the most stirring thing to me was like at the end, they were like, yeah, it's, he probably would have not gone into Vietnam just to I see mean, that it, in the fucking newspaper. It's like, thank you. Hello. It was a big <laughs> deal. If you listen to like the Fletcher Prouty interviews and he explains how like. Kennedy sent people like he sent ambassadors to Vietnam to like interview people to come up with like yeah. uh, an agenda and a plan and all this stuff. And he within within a very, very short time after being murdered, Johnson reversed Kennedy's plan, uh, phased withdrawal. That is a massive, massive point of evidence for that. Specific- it's also anti-democratic. I'm just going to come out and say it, right? You vote for a guy. Everybody votes for this guy. They're like, we want something different. Not everyone, but enough people vote for this guy that he wins. And his vision wins for the next four years. And and he's made mistakes. He 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 read the ground wrong in uh, Cuba because he listened to the CIA. And the CIA said, oh, everyone hates Castro. That'll be easy. And he, he learned from that mistake. And as you said, he sent in those guys. He's like, I'm going to get my own fucking intelligence. And I'm not going to get it from from James Bond, I'm going to get it from, from ambassadors. And he got a good read on the ground and was like, this is unwinnable. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And um, he was right. And we got cheated. That's the whole point of destiny betrayed, right? The whole, I mean, it's, it's a cool name for a book and a movie or whatever, but ultimately we voted for this guy who promised peace. And what we got was Johnson. And yeah, I guess we reelected him whatever but um i don't know there's just there's just so many things about it that seem so anti-democratic and and that's why i love um sliding back into this debate as opposed to all the like this kind of pre-culture war conspiracy theory debate because there's something in in you see it in the kind of old guard conspiracy theory guys uh like and Cyril Wecht says this in the in the new doc where he's like, doesn't matter if you're left or right, Republican or Democrat, like this is, you know, about democracy in your country. And it all seems so quaint because all the conspiracy theory arguments now today are hyper partisan and all about blaming one side for everything, essentially. 
Yeah. Well, you know, I just want to, because I, I feel like I'm not good at keeping my threads. I might try to hold this thread. Okay, because number two, what's another reason why the CIA or military intelligence or military might want to take out a president? Um, okay. If they believe the president is going to give uh, core state secrets to their adversary. Um, well, now we're getting into space, baby. Right. Which is like there is a... Um, you know, there's a document uh, that's veracity is disputed, but that I think is definitely <laughs> plausible. Uh, and it is a document that uh, Kennedy is sending, asking for us to share UFO information and lunar missions with the Soviet Union. In other words, he was going to have us share this above top secret UFO, alien information, and have joint flights in outer space. To do that would be essentially to end the Cold War. To do that would be essentially to, um, you know, uh, make this massive advancement and to the military industrial leaders of the United States who had their fingers on this exotic technology, the last thing they would ever do is allow someone to give it to their adversary. And so in their minds, they're completely justified. And that goes back to the other <clears throat> document that has disputed veracity, but nonetheless is very fascinating, which is a called the Burned Memo, which is a memo that supposedly was pilfered from James Angleton's safe after he died and was thrown into a fire. And then when someone saw it, took it out. And the memo claims that JFK has made advances towards uh, this UFO information, <clears throat> and it uses this euphemism to say that, you know, if Lancer JFK continues to make these, um, you know, that was a Secret Service code name. Also, Lancer.net or whatever is a, was a Web 1.0 hub of conspiracy arguments. Great. Good times. I haven't been there in years, but anyway, sorry. Yeah, they say if JFK continues this, the conditions may become wet, which is like military or intelligence euphemism for like, getting wet painting people is, yeah. is blood work is is killing that's right um so you know that's another plausible in theory and e howard hunt who i mentioned earlier he told his watergate attorney douglas caddy in the last conversation they ever had together douglas caddy has said on video uh to uh daniel list a uh, dark journalist uh that he asked him point blank why was kennedy killed and e howard hunt said <clears throat> because he was going to reveal the alien presence. I think that's the word that was used. This is a perfect segue because I feel like you and I have talked for hours and hours on the Kennedy assassination here and probably elsewhere. <laughs> but something that I really also want to talk about, and we'll we'll have plenty of time to talk about whatever we want to do with Kennedy, but I do want to get back to this. Uh, we have to talk about UFOs. And Project Blue Blue Book and what is happening now. And I just want to ask you, how does it feel in 2023 to see articles where like I saw an article today, like just on Apple News, it was like, how many presidents talked to aliens? It's more or saw UFOs. It's more than you think. And to just have like <laughs> I haven't looked too much into it, but I keep seeing news reports of like, yeah, the Navy's like, yeah, this is a UFO. Uh whatever. <laughs> and then also articles that are like, yeah, JFK, probably a conspiracy. And uh, he definitely wouldn't have gone into Vietnam. Uh, how does it feel to be 
somebody whose opinions I'm sure have been called like <laughs> crazy. You know what I mean? That that kind of as the real crazy conspiracies are falling away, you know, like the QAnon stuff is revealed to be such nonsense. The stuff that's actually real, which is like our government's control over what happened in the Kennedy assassination and what exactly is going on in terms of these things that we've been noticing flying around our planet since we've been able to notice things that we can't identify. Doesn't it feel like the dam is breaking somehow? It feels like we are at an inflection point in which we have an opportunity as a country to try to deal with what happened in the last hundred years. And I don't know if we're going to do that. And do I personally feel validated? I, not, I mean, maybe slightly, but my first thought when you said that was a lot of human beings have been killed for this information. And whether Kennedy was killed because of UFOs or Vietnam or, you know, another third thing I will think of in a second, there have been a lot of people who've been killed to keep the JFK conspiracy, the I'm sure the RFK conspiracy too, yeah. and the alien up like that, and the alien stuff under wrap. You know, yeah. it's not a coincidence that Eugene Hale Braiding, mafia dude, is arrested in Dealey Plaza that morning. Kennedy's hit and is also found to be outside the Ambassador Hotel the night Bobby Kennedy is killed. Okay, interesting. This is where you get into. You sound. He was uh, also on the moon the day of the moon. But he wasn't. What do you? <laughs> I know. What, what I'm saying is like the reason why Fletcher P Prouty, part Mr. X, the other Mr. X was based off Richard Case Miguel. Yeah. Um, but the Prouty called one of his books the Secret Team because mm -hmm. he was trying to explain it's like Mission Impossible. You right. have a little team. And you have a couple teams, but really there aren't a lot of teams. And you put the team together and the band goes to Mogadishu and they do this and that and they go to Paris and then the band goes to there and and that's how they do it. And that's why it's important to point out that Ed Lansdale, one of the guys I mentioned, who um, who Fletcher Prouty says through photography is in Dealey Plaza that day. The ring. Who James Files said personally came to the knoll and checked in with him before the motorcade came through um this uh, the reason i bring it up is this guy was a ad guy who got brought into the military and he became a genius in psychological warfare and uh executive level coups and so he used that uh to like manipulate people and, and this is also e howard hunt was involved in this stuff and we're talking about like the philippines guatemala uh, we're talking about Vietnam. We're talking about, uh, and then before that, you know, this is funny how much how this all proves that the X Files is real too. <laughs> well, but I mean, like, <laughs> a lot of the theories, like I'm thinking about that that episode, the, the Confessions of a Smoking Man. I'm like, oh damn, it's that not episode that, might be real, more real than we thought. <laughs> it's one of those things where, you know, sometimes I think people are given information. Sometimes yeah. I think people like you and I are researchers and then they put their own research into um, their art. And then I think also sometimes people are pulling from their own ideas from the ether and who <laughs> knows, who knows what radio stations 
our little human brains can tune into. I don't know, yeah. you know, but but it's always fat. Like, for example, uh, this is so apropos. Thank you for bringing it up. Dark Skies. Did you ever watch that show? Uh, no, I don't think I did. Okay. In the 90s on network, there was a television show called Dark Skies, and it's about an alien infiltration of uh -huh. America and in the pilot, Kennedy is killed <laughs> to keep the secret quiet. And, you know, Bruce uh, Zabel, I think is his name, Zabel, Zabel, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. He he wrote the pilot and he's yeah. out now talking a lot in the UFO disclosure movement and uh, very, in, in, you know, interesting character. But he says he kind of just like he wrote this with his writing partner on a whim because they thought, what are the biggest conspiracies? Let's smash them together. Mm -hmm. And then he says after they sold the show, they were approached by naval intelligence <laughs> because they were like, what the hell? What, what the fuck? Why are you, you revealing the secret, bro? What, where did this come from? This <laughs> is a whole there was a whole article about this on silver screen saucers for a long time that now is no longer on the Internet. I mean, it's, hmm. it's a very interesting to me subject. Uh, me, too. I mean, let's just take it. Let's let's just take it back because uh, there's one of two things. Uh are true perhaps both of them might be true one is there was a crazy giant conspiracy in our country for decades and decades to uh cover up some flying shit that they saw and may have found and may have and then there also may have been <laughs> like creatures from another world that visited here so it's either a conspiracy or it's space aliens or it's both. Either way, it's fascinating. And I really respect what you said, by the way, about, yeah, I don't feel any I don't feel any self-satisfaction because a lot of people died and this isn't really about me and like whatever. That's amazing. I mean, because I, I feel like so many people right now just want to be right about something. You know what I mean? Desperate to be right about. It. Oh, I'm going to be on the right side of history. Blah, 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 blah. OK, whatever. James James Forrestal was the Secretary of Defense, and he was pushed out of a seventeenth, I don't know, seventeenth floor, twenty sixth floor. I forget the floor. He was pushed out of a window, and they're like, "Yeah, he just jumped out the window." That happens. That happens a lot. That <laughs> defenestration that would, is way too common. I would postulate, and I think a lot of people uh, fear that he was murdered as one of the first prominent murders to keep this subject quiet. Now, David Grush, who's one of the, the, the main whistleblowers now who testified for Congress, um, you know, he said that unequivocally he had the uh, access. He did the research with, cause he was an intelligent, he was a high, high uh, uh, clearance intelligence uh, officer who was tasked with investigating. Is there any truth to this reverse engineering of UFOs program that people speculate exists. And by going into all these different compartments, he figured out, yeah, it's real. <laughs> and he, he whistle blew to Congress. He's like, yes, there are programs. I can tell you where some of these are. Um, you know, we have 40 different whistleblowers who can testify for being a part of these compartmentalized, um, unacknowledged special access programs, USAPs, where they have exploited, uh, you know, retrieved exotic material. And he's said, of course, in some of these craft pilots, um, which is then brought on the, the emphasis on 
NHI, non-human intelligence, um, which is ironic because a lot of the, or I, I speak with authority, but I don't actually know this. Uh, based off of based off of people who would know, like Bob Dean, who read the Cosmic Top Secret uh, NATO assessment, there are some no. aliens that look just like us. So it's interesting they say non-human intelligence because there's some that are that are so visibly human. Yeah, I mean, let's just this is a little outside of my area of like comfort <laughs> talking about, but I do want to talk about this. Like, I'm I feel sorry. like this is the like red line that people don't want to cross cross when they talk about conspiracy theory. They don't want to get into cryptozoology or or uf or uh, you know extraterrestrial beings or what, differently human intelligence, whatever you were calling it, but. Uh, Look, I mean, the chariots of the gods concept is something that's been around for a long time, right? And I and I would argue it's been around since the beginning of mythology. And ultimately, this is what this is all about, right? And this is the things that you and I are interested in are, are all about is like answering these big fucking questions that have been answered in all these different ways, you know, gods and monsters. And now we see that <laughs> it might just be uh, space aliens and secret agents. But either way, the, the the world is really interesting, you know? And you uh, so when you think about it just from an anthropological perspective, it's like we have all of these different like variations of hominids and humanoids that have been on our planet. So if you go with the kind of chariots of the gods, uh, Prometheus situation where like some pea pods of DNA were dropped here or something, or, you know, predator taught us how to build pyramids or, you know, any of the amazing concepts that we've been introduced through science fiction. Um that you know there it seems i don't know plausible i'll say that there's just like some sort of that we're the homo habilis to you know some other uh you know to a crow magnum on another planet you know what i mean that there's yeah. a we're the lucy to somebody else you know i'm not a, a fundamentalist christian i don't believe the bible is like literal but that's good to know <laughs> it's sort of a non sequitur but whenever in the Bible, it says like the gods from heaven came down and they yeah. thought they thought the earth women were beautiful and they they laid with the earth women. And then when it, it it's like <laughs> there's these things and then it says like at the beginning of Genesis, like the God God made man in his image. That's right. Let me ask you a question. Making man in his image, mm -hmm. going down and banging people on earth, doesn't sound like this you know solo oh, that's, a, told. that's that's another that's another excellent angle here is like okay so there's all these primitive humanoids like running around on earth right somebody lands and there's like dude you know what i'm gonna <laughs> fuck the shit out of this neanderthal lady <laughs> whatever fucking to some hominid and some alien she you're talking about we're talking about alien shit <laughs> I shouldn't have I shouldn't have given you that one because really alien loads being busted into the, our various homo erectus. Look, and look. Then I'm not dude, I am not making fun of you. I am just this is all very plausible to me. And it's also I'm just laughing because it's well, you you're talking about grand concepts and I'm talking about like the gross mechanics of it. Like, well, yeah, you're right. They were fucking our cave people. Well, I mean, you just mentioned like genetics and that stuff, and I just yeah. thought actually. You know, whenever it says God made man in his image, that is putting that is someone putting their genetics into you. Yeah. That is a technical biological recipe. That's not 
it, we were like, oh, that's so sweet. He made us like just he made us just like uh, uh, he made us just like him. No, dude. Like, and again, I'm not a fundamentalist Christian. I don't take everything in the Bible literally. I'm just saying, in theory, that kind of stuff. The alien issue is not new. People are like, they came in 47 with the nukes. I'm sure they are really interested in the nukes. I'm sure that is a big, big deal. But their pick, their pictures, their their paintings of UFOs and yes. from people pointing at these big, big ass circles. Famous people throughout history. You know, yeah, this medieval. Is all- yeah. So it's not new. It's a real phenomenon. It exists. The idea of Foo Fighters tracking planes. I was going to say, that's where it all, to me, the, the naval aviators, the fact that these guys have seen it and like these guys are, these guys are the least crazy people on the planet. These guys are people who have been designed by society to be the sharpest edge of humanity. And if these are the guys saying, bro, there are flying saucers buzzing the tower right now then i think we can take that pretty we can take that as some some pretty hardcore evidence that there's some the what i like to call evidence of the unknown and then to me on the kennedy side it's all of those medical practitioners pointing to the back of their head i saw a blowout at the back of my head you know, it's like in the Cosby case, if one, you know, people say, well, if one woman says that Cosby did it, that's one thing. But if all of them come out and say that he did, that's kind of a guilty verdict for me. And it's similar to that head wound, right? That whole grid of people, they all said the head wound was from, from the back, right? So that means there had to have been a conspiracy. Are those people crazy? Are naval aviators crazy? No. Then why are people who are called, quote, conspiracy theorists, unquote, the crazy ones. The entry wound of a bullet is small. The exit wound is big. All these people described a massive gaping blowout in the back of Kennedy's head. But and- do we see it in Zabruder? Like that's the thing is I see the blowout on the side. Did they? I mean, and then you start to go like, did they send it down to Burbank to have <laughs> to have uh, the the rotoscopers at Disney start to paint a, a different wound? That that theory has been that's my favorite theory honestly that it well, that they rotoscoped the Zerbruder film at the Disney Studios. I'd recommend the Jacob Hornberger series, the Kennedy Autopsy 1 and 2 yeah. and you know it wasn't Disney there's like I, it's not um it's not in my accessible ram here but like there's a the National Photographic like I forget what city it is and it is in the Kodak headquarters yeah, where it was the, processed. In the center of the Kodak headquarters there is a top secret CIA like thing where they had all the capacity of Hollywood and beyond. And now you can clearly see they, they painted this like big red it looks blot. like a weird, big blob. There's a big bl- blotch that they painted I'm coming on. back around on everything now, John. There's, there's also a black square. If you look, there's a, there's a black it's look, it's very rudimentary video editing or, or sort of effects. Rotoscoping. Yeah. Rotoscoping. Yeah. So there's lightsabers. That's how they did lightsabers. It's paint it, on the frame. It's it's shocking to me. It's only a couple frames too. So I mean, it wouldn't take it took it wouldn't take that long, right? There are many many people who saw an entry bullet hole in the windshield coming mm-hmm. from the front. Towards... There's there's like pictures of them in the documentary. Is that for real? Yes, there are pictures of that. There are also people who yeah. saw that. Uh, there's there's uh, uh, there is a lot of of uh, interviews of people who saw that windshield yeah. hole. 
And they specifically say they saw the grating of the glass pushing inward. In. Uh, yeah. so it wasn't coming from the back from the depository. If there's any bullets coming from the front, it's a conspiracy. When Kennedy right. grabs his neck, he is shot in the front, in the neck. The entire magic bullet theory is that Arlen Specter moved the back wound in the middle of his back like inches up to try and make it plausible that it might have gone through. Come through yeah. And then it would have had to be really slouched over. Well, it's impossible because he's in theory being shot from the sixth floor. So if he's shot from above, it would go down. There's no way a bullet would hit him in the middle of the back and then suddenly go up into his neck if he was shot from above. That would that's like a, a bullet going down yeah. and up and down and up. It doesn't make sense. So by the way, when they were when they were talking about the bullet, the glass being broken in the the in Destiny Betrayed, they then were explaining like, oh, and afterwards they cleaned out the car, which obviously is like, you know, why did they clean out the crime scene? Then they were like, and then it was rebuilt and reconstructed. And they and they show this footage I've never seen, which was the rebuilt car and like Johnson getting into the car. And I was like, wait. Johnson used X100 afterwards. That seems like nuts. Yeah. Like just like okay, if you're if you're on the conspiracy side, then that's just a power move. You're like, oh, I'm rotting in this shit now, bitch. Or it's just like that guy. I mean, he had to know that it was the same car, right? Like, how does that feel? It's so weird. I think there's something pretty sinister about that. I don't know how, I don't know why, but I think that's pretty sinister. I mean, they talk about Curtis LeMay smoking cigarettes or smoking cigars at the, uh, smoking cigars at the um, autopsy, you know, and you're talking about Miltier hanging out. Like if you really see it, I mean, it starts to come into focus, like how gross it really is. If all that's true. The guy who owned the Texas school book depository D.H. Bird or D.L. Bird, one of those, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for getting the initial wrong. He was a big game hunter, a big right winger, all these, all exactly who you would imagine. Well, what did he do? Uh, he kindly asked for them to take the original Oswald sixth floor window and put it in his home next to his wall of animals he'd killed. <laughs> Think, oh. why would you? Why would you, if you, I don't, I don't, if someone killed the president Damn. from my building, I wouldn't be really proud of it. Yeah. I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't love it and put it next to my trophies of my victories of other people. I'd be ashamed for my whole life. Be ashamed the rest of my life. Well, and, and look, we mentioned the three guys who ran Bay of Pigs who Kennedy killed, right? Uh, Bissell, Dulles, and the other guy who's eluding me. Um, who is, of course, ba 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 Cabell, the CIA guy whose brother was the Brother's mayor of mayor, Dallas though. at the time. This to me is is like the is the like Jeb Bush being governor in Florida when the oh, election man. was stolen by the Supreme Court justices that were thrown in there by their dad. I mean, that's crazy. Like, I, I say this in the book that I'm working on, where, where I'm talking about Gerald Ford about how like Gerald Ford moves the wound to prove the a uh, single bullet theory then he's never elected to anything but somehow becomes president you know because he's nominated as vp and then you know he reveals in his memoir that it was he moved it for clarity or they found in his notes rather that he had moved the wound for clarity and then he pardons the criminal that was behind the whole bay of Higgs thing 
You get rewarded if you play along. There is a reason, and I'm right. not taking this. Conspiracy. So this is just to close out that thought. Sorry. Yeah. So so the, the point is of like JFK being assassinated does not prove that we don't live in a democracy. Gerald Ford proves that we <laughs> do not live in a democracy, and that is <laughs> that's all I have to say about that. Sorry. Well, and and even funnier is the fact that they got Spiru Agnew kicked off the ticket to get to get him on there. Yeah. So yeah. then they Who could take out now? then they could take out Nixon and elevate Ford because they knew yeah. he was a team player because he already did what they wanted in the the sort of assassination. Yeah, it's not good. Look, Arlen, have you ever? It's all coming know, together, folks. It really is. I mean, I don't. I'm not. Blaming, yeah, we're crazy. I'm not bringing Obama into this, but. How many Republicans has Obama endorsed for U.S. Senate? One. I don't know. Yeah. Who is who is the one? Arlen Specter. Yeah. Yeah. He lost though. Well, what I'm saying is, well, he was a turncoat. That piece of shit was always changing look, parties. Look, look. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying. Like, I know it's crazy. You, there's a you get rewarded if you play ball. Right. That is the deal. But he also, Obama saved Spectre's ass for uh, ACA, basically, right? That had well, to be why. I'm not saying Obama did it for this reason. What I'm saying is it's very interesting that you you have a lot of sway. You know, if, if, I, if you're someone who is protected on high by the intelligence community because you do things for them, everybody in the city can feel that. Obama played ball. I mean, that's all I have to say. He played ball with these people. Yeah, yeah. I'm just and, making. You know, the point. he got he got Ben Laden. You know what I mean? And it's so funny what a. It's so funny now to see the Ben Laden memo or the Ben Laden letter go viral, right? Like, did you see this? A couple yeah, yeah. people, a couple influencers were like, "Oh, he's got some, got some good points." Uh, whatever. <laughs> you know, the it's the old Hitler kept the train running on on time. Well, ben. there's also a CNN.com article a couple of days after the the event where he's like, I didn't do it. <laughs> like, I don't know why they're saying I did it. Who? Bin Laden. Bin Laden. I'm just saying like, there's, he's all, he's also quoted in the media being like, <laughs> they're saying it's me. It wasn't me. <laughs> I'm just a patsy. <laughs> but, but I'm just saying like, it's, it, to me, it's weird that they're, I don't know. That seemed like some, that seemed just like. Either somebody did something and the then specter, somebody... the Arlen specter. It just seems like wasted energy because we got all this stuff cooking with with uh, JFK and with aliens, mm -hmm. and so then they just like throw in some weird poison pill, like like <laughs> TikTok loves Bin Laden. It's no like, one's what? gonna keep their eye off the ball. I mean, like people are still. I don't know why the people are still obsessed with JFK. I, I haven't bought it, but every time I go in the because I'm buying comics for my son, so we're just you know getting Ninja Turtles and. You know Batman and stuff, but like, uh, there's this comic, this like really dreary art style that's like all about there's a I, there's a bunch of Kennedy assassination stuff in it. There's just it 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 won't go away. And I think what we're seeing right now is to all the people who at Thanksgiving asked John and I like, oh my god, like why are you still talking about this? It's like because now like I was worried in a way like oh people are not going to be interested in this because you know and the story will be lost because times are so different. Like no, the story is even more relevant and it's even more important for people to understand how the 20th century happened and why we're here today on the verge of World War Three and. 
I'm not going to say we wouldn't have been here had it not been for Kennedy not allowing, not being allowed to kind of make some of the foreign policy moves he might have made in his second term. Uh, but it's certainly the world today is certainly the exact type of world that he was trying to avoid the Pax Americana moving carrier uh, uh moving carriers into the mediterranean to prove a point while stretching yourself thin out into taiwan you know what i mean like this is exactly what kennedy wanted to avoid and this is exactly what people voted for in 1960 and we have just seen a total reversal and i to use the language of today yeah. kennedy was not uh, a colonizer you know he 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 saw himself as unraveling the mistakes of the uh, the worst parts of like the corporate empire mm-hmm. and the worst parts of the military over humanity. Yeah. And and you can see the way in his language and his actions, he tried to empower countries to stand up on their own. And not be puppets for the United States because what was going around is we were we were launching coups in South America and abroad when people wouldn't let our corporations run their food supply, exactly. their, their sugar canes, all of this stuff, like their banana plants, their rubber, all this. Stuff. He knew it was wrong and he knew it was part of the same thing he wanted to fight at home, which was, you know, uh, the oppression of poor brown people. He knew that this was all part of the same crusade, right? And um, damn, yeah, you're absolutely you're absolutely right about the like decolonial decolonizing that he was trying yeah. to do. And I think his moment in history, what he really saw himself as, is Jefferson in Paris, Benjamin Franklin in Paris. Like they saw, he saw himself in those original founding fathers who after the revolution really tried to spread things in Europe, you know what I mean? Because um, those founding father guys, they wanted to spread what they thought was good. And they wanted to take down, they, sorry, they saw the monarchies in the same way that Kennedy saw these, uh, uh, empires, these crumbling post-war empires, right? As something that needed to kind of be dismantled so the country could be handed back to his people. And um, I don't know, seems like they murdered him for it. Yeah, it, it does. And then you wonder, you know, if Oswald has a cover job in New Orleans the summer before the assassination and his cover job is supposedly gotten by his intelligence handlers... Why is it that everybody at that cover job or a lot of people from that cover job after the assassination go to work for NASA? Why is it, you know, why is it that Ruth Payne's husband, Michael Payne, or Ruth Payne is like this woman that Oswald and his wife were living with and she kind of like framed him up bad. There, There was a piece that just got put out in a relatively mainstream press that was like, Ruth Payne's just a normal lady. And it's like, oh, is she? I don't know. No, Maybe. bullshit. Her husband, her <laughs> right. husband was Laid working for the head of Bell Helicopter. That's right. 
And you know who this guy was? Um, I'm sorry. It's hard to, it's just like Walter Dornberger, the Nazi. You see, we absorbed massive amounts of Nazis via Project Paperclip after World War II. And we absorbed them into our intelligence community through the Galen Network, into our space program through Werner von Braun. But Galen Network, just just that was he was a, a spy master who uh, was recruited after World War II. A Nazi spy master. That's right. So it's very much equivalent to the end of Inglorious Bastards when Christoph Waltz's character um, finally gets uh, he he uh, he defects to the United States and he he makes these demands. I want this. I want that. Blah 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 blah. And you know what? You know what happened in real life in the movie. They like they put the they carve a swastika into his forehead. But yeah, no, they gave him a they gave Galen an expense account in an office. They 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 said, hey, we want all your Nazis. You now work for us. Right. All the Nazis, you know, and a bu- Russia got a bunch of Nazis. We got a bunch of Nazis. It's also funny how Indiana Jones is about all of the things you're, that the la- the last two Indiana Jones movies, like the bad Indiana Jones movies, so to speak, are all about this. It's all about like cover the covering of uh, shit at Area 51 and uh, Nazi scientists infiltrating NASA and all this. Have you seen? Did you see the last Indiana Jones movie? I didn't. Oh, no, I did actually see the last one. And yes, okay. he's. He is there. There's certain filmmakers who they seem to be fascinated with certain subjects. And I will say this. okay? who knows what kind of where where people's ideas come from. Right. But to me, like it's quite evident Spielberg. Since his student film Firelight or Fire in the Sky, Mm -hmm. the guy was big on UFOs. And like the fact that all that Nazi UFO stuff has been trickling into those movies, you look at the rest of like, you know, I was just thinking of James Cameron, you know, like Cameron's (laughs) one that's like, if some, if, if, if all this alien stuff is real, right. Some Cameron is Cameron has an inside something because he's like, he made this movie, the abyss about meeting aliens in the bottom of the ocean. Right. Early, early CG. They get a great performance, little face performance out of that water. Yeah. I just think, I mean, you know, obviously famous for the sequel to alien aliens as well, but which is a fun film, but alien (laughs) is a masterpiece. I think that there is, I think that it's very fascinating to see how media intersects with these conspiracies. I think that's why we're fascinated in JFK, the movie by Oliver Stone, his documentaries, I think mm-hmm. that's why I'm fascinated in the way that this stuff plays out in media. John Chambers, you know, you know who John Chambers is the, John Chambers the, is the, the makeup artist, the makeup guy. Yeah, th- there it is. Like you know, people the the historiocracy, the uh, the historical accuracy of um, Argo of Argo aside, whether you want to argue one way or the other, I think it's just a movie and a fun movie. But um, John Goodman character, John Goodman's character, uh, John Chambers, that guy is real. There is a guy whose job was to make apes, ape faces for Planet of the Apes, and also try to get our hostages out of Iran uh, using the CIA. And I think that to me is... And then also, John Chambers probably was the guy who built the Bigfoot outfit, the Patterson outfit as well. Oh, you think so? I don't think so, but... uh, (laughs) I. I, I, (laughs) I think it's possible. I 
we I did what, an inside jobs mini sode about this. So folks, if you want to go back in the feed many years, there's like a 10 minute thing about this. But basically, uh John Chambers like rented out his suit a lot. And um all of the analysis by like zoologists of the Patterson film, the one of Bigfoot walking around, they're pretty much like, yeah, it's doesn't seem like it's an animal. But then all of the costume designers who have looked at the Patterson film was like, that is a Hollywood ready. That's like a quality costume. That's a good costume. <laughs> so, okay. If it's not just some off the, you know, it, and this wasn't like cosplay times, right? Like this was like you, there were people who made costumes for movies and plays. You couldn't just get a monster suit for Comic-Con, right? So there's only certain guys who were renting these suits out and, uh, John, let's say John. I, like, I think it's John a, Chambers think it's was one of those guys, and there was a guy who was a, a effects guy or a costume dude who was watching an old episode of Lost in Space, and he like saw this monster come out, and he's like, "Shit, that's the Patterson outfit with a different head on it." And it yeah. turns out that he was working on that on that on that show as well. And apparently, like on the lot, like on the Fox lot, people were like, "Oh yeah, 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 yeah." Chambers. It's- lent it out lent out the patterson suit it's chambers chewbacca um yeah it (laughs) is interesting to we we rarely do people make the connection that chewbacca is bigfoot but um (laughs) nonetheless walking carpet out of my way um here let me these are these are some things that i just i jotted down and i want to just like hit real quick okay yeah um um i'm I'm imagining like the conversation right and here's the conversation oh you think oswald's a spy for the government, you think he worked with the U.S. government? It's like, well, yeah, his like we have his number of his FBI informant account. We know Warren DeBruyne was running him, you know, through the for, for the FBI in in New Orleans. We know James Hosty was like the FBI guy was communicating with him in Dallas. We know they found a Minix spy camera in Oswald's possession. We know they sent him to the Russian language school when he was in the Marines. We know he contracted a venereal disease in japan that's listed in his military file as contracted in the line of duty there Mm -hmm. are a lot of evidence to suggest that oswald was being used surreptitiously fuck judah the baker as a spy well well but you know they sent him to russia they faked affected him to russia as a so did he get it from marina or is that before i think this is before um but that would have made (laughs) sense too that would have oh yeah in the military he got treated yeah 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 yeah, there's that bit of that paper trail that leads back to his balls. <laughs> and I mean, like, you know, uh, I talked about some of these, right? Like, did the yeah. CIA have operational assassination divisions who had done coups in foreign countries and killed yes. leaders? Yes. yes. Like, not only were they actively plotting dozens and dozens of Castro assassination teams, some of which were turned around on the president and uh, used to kill him. The CIA is like the husband with a gun whose wife is murdered in this situation. It's like you show up on the scene and, you know, game it out. out. Yeah, you you see uh, you see the CIA and the mafia just like standing next to the body of Kennedy holding a gun. And it's like, oh, okay, you've used and and we've seen that gun shoot Lumumba or the DM brothers. And and those that's wasn't necessarily us. Like we we know it wasn't directly us killing those two guys, but those are two examples of leaders that we helped depose. Um, 
Yeah. Like you said, let's game it out. Let's do that. Let's oh, I mean, if you're the guy, if you're the wife or you're the Kennedy, right? You're like, <laughs> I just, I told everybody who I know, I'm trying to smash this marriage into a thousand pieces. Yeah. I've told everybody I know that my spouse lied to me and almost got me into a world war with Russia and Cuba. It's a good analogy now as we explore it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it, and then what happens? Like, the we show up and the wife is riddled with bullet wounds <laughs> in the front and back. And then someone says it was one shooter from this other building, not the person who she had been fighting with for the last couple years. Um, you know, and that person was left wing, by the way, too. Well, and yeah, look, it strains credulity to think that Oswald was lucky enough to have, by happenstance, gotten a job at the Texas School Depository within a month of Kennedy's motorcade. Doesn't he get it through the paint? Well, she helped him get the job. Yeah. What I'm saying is, by happenstance, he got there right before. By happenstance, someone changed the motorcade route That's to right. veer off the clear path and bring him right into this little bitty kill zone. Yeah. And it just happened to be right next to this building he just happened to be at. It and seems they just happened to take the window and put it in a frame and say, good job, guys. Well, I'm just saying it's so much more likely Oswald is a is being run by intelligence. And they say or they know he's there and they're like, all right, well, we know this guy's we got him a job there. We don't really know what he's for, but like we're going to send in our actual team. And he'll just be sitting up there drinking a Dr. Pepper. And then, as Miltier said, we'll pick him up in an hour. 